What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of The Committee, and today we've got another live top 10 reveal for you guys. Uh, so after a crazy week 6 of college football, um, the top 10 has been shaken up quite a bit. We have seen plenty of upsets, plenty of crazy games, uh, all that we're going to get into here soon. Uh, this season has just been fantastic. There's no other way around it. Um, it is truly an anomaly. Hopefully, every season could be like this season, because this has been great. Um, of course, I say that, and my team's undefeated, so, you know, a little bit of bias there, but nonetheless, great season of college football so far. Uh, before we get into this top ten here... Let's talk a little bit about current news that's just gone around. Of course, we're going to start with my boys here. Oklahoma has just picked up five-star defensive tackle Gabriel Brownlow-Dindy. Of course, uh, the Sooners are looking pretty hot on the recruiting trail recently, which, of course, is something that I am very excited to see. Uh, So Dindy chose the Sooners over the Aggies. Um, so the Aggies take a bit of an L there. Not to be worried about, though, because the Aggies may have just taken one of their biggest dubs ever in an upset of Alabama 41-38 on Saturday night in which Seth Small kicked the game-winning field goal as time expired. The fans went crazy and rushed the field, and might I say I'm very proud of the Aggies. Um, it is... Absolutely not something I expected to see. I was just dumbfounded the whole time, the whole fourth quarter, really, because I was just so perplexed by the fact that an Alabama team who has looked so good so far this season was losing to an A&M team who, with Zach Calzada, has looked terrible. And I mean terrible. Not even, they weren't even ranked anymore because of their bad performances. And they were, it was not looking good at all. And then they come in here at Kyle Field on Saturday night and they take down number one Alabama. Truly crazy, truly special. Congratulations to anyone, uh, any Aggies fans out there or anyone that went to that game. Uh, that for sure would have been a very exciting time. Uh, so, I don't know, you know, if Calzada can keep playing like that, uh, then the Aggies may have something to say in the SEC West race. Of course, they already have uh, two conference losses, though, so it's going to be tough. But never say never. Uh, this has been a crazy season. And, you know, maybe Calzada will continue to perform. Wouldn't that be something for the Ags, huh? Uh, A&M will be playing next week against Missouri in Columbia. So if you're going to beat Alabama, you better be beating Missouri. So uh, looking forward to that for the Ags this week. Um, They've made their way back into the rankings in the AP poll, now number 21. Which, that's I, I like it. That is fair. That's fair. That's fair. And that is, again, 
It is just a shocker. I don't even know what to say. Um, truly incredible that they were able to take down Bama. And really, any time Bama loses, it's just a joyous day. And the, you know, the country just rejoices. Uh, everyone enjoys it. It's a good time. Everyone likes to see Bama lose. Uh, of course, I saw going around after the game... A little post about that. My friend uh, Dina posted about that, a, a Bama student herself. Um, said, you know, the Barstool Bama, they were saying pretty much a paragraph like, oh, when Bama loses, everyone celebrates. Everyone goes crazy. Everyone rejoices. When Bama wins, it's just another Saturday. Roll Tide. Which, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fair. It's fair. Uh, but that's how it is, you know. Sorry, you lost. Sorry. Hate to say it, you lost, sorry. Uh, and as I have just drawn a pretty pathetic Spartan logo, uh, coming in at number 10, Michigan State. Uh, I did not think this would be something that was possible. Uh, you know, based on the Spartans had a pretty rough season last season with their first their first year under Mel Tucker. Uh, of course, that's to be expected in a COVID year with a new coach. You can't really bank on too much going well for you there. But wow, the Spartans have really turned it up. Uh, they got a potential Heisman candidate in Kenneth Walker at running back. Already three and zero in the Big Ten. Five conference win or five power or f- four power five wins thus far. But the Spartans do have a pretty tough schedule remaining. Um, they're still going to have to play Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State, and they're playing at Indiana next week, which. Uh, you know, Indiana has not looked nearly as good as they were last year, but you know, still, uh, Bloomington isn't a. It's not going to be a pushover in Bloomington for the Spartans, but it's a very exciting team that they have there in East Lansing, and one that is certainly wasn't expected. Um, speaking of, we move on to the number nine team, uh, and that is going to be the Kentucky Wildcats. So Kentucky had was with Benny Snell a few years ago. Uh, take back to, I believe, 2019. Uh, they went to the Citrus Bowl and took down Penn State in what was one of Kentucky's greatest seasons uh, that they've had in ages, uh, as, of course, it is a basketball school, not a football school. They're not known for being good in football. But uh, Stoopy and the boys are looking pretty hot and uh, let me just take a little pause right here, and we will get right back to you in a second. Apologies for the break. We are back. Um, so, yeah, the Kentucky Wildcats have really impressed thus far. Uh, I didn't. I surely didn't think I, that we would be seeing this from Kentucky, uh, especially only six games in the season that they are. They found themselves so high ranked. Uh, you know, as I've got them here at number nine in the country. Uh, you know, that's another shocker. Yet another shocker. This season is no shortage of shockers. Um, led by former Penn State QB Will Levis. You know, they knocked off the Gators a few weeks ago, uh, which saw them get into the top 25. And then they have just continued to keep up their winning ways. They just handled LSU in a game which, honestly, I'd... Uh, predict I thought that for sure we could see an LSU victory there 
Kentucky maybe getting too ahead of themselves, and then LSU come humble them down. But uh, the Wildcats, they pulled it off. They did it. No problem taking down LSU. And they now find themselves in a college game day matchup against Georgia, uh, number one Georgia, um, in Athens. And this one hopefully will be a good game. Last time we saw a game day in Athens just two weeks ago, uh, the dogs, they rolled. They rolled. Uh, Arkansas came in pretty high on their horses, just as Kentucky is going to, and they demolished Arkansas. Uh, will it be the same situation? It very well could be. I'm not counting that out. Uh, this Georgia team is the best team in the country, and uh, what the, really what they're going to need is some help from JT Daniels getting healthy. You know that preferably they're not going to be rolling out Stetson Bennett. They've had to do it though, and they haven't really been too affected by it. Luckily for the dogs there, but Kentucky is in a position where if they win this game, if they win this game in Athens. Kentucky would be, should be a top three team who has already defeated, already, if they win this game, defeated Georgia and Florida. So in their SEC East journey, that doesn't leave too much of a challenge remaining. Um, so let's, if we're playing a theoretical game here, this this point was brought to me by my great friend Luke Gord. Uh, the Kentucky Wildcats could find themselves in a playoff position. Uh, let's say Kentucky rattles rattles after after this win and continues to impress. They don't lose a game in the regular season, and we go into the SEC title game with a somehow undefeated Kentucky. Not saying that that will happen. Just hypothetical. Hypothetically, we come into the season, we come into the postseason with an undefeated Kentucky team, uh, and really that is, that would be a playoff team. If they went into the SEC title game undefeated, uh, barring a mega major blowout or something, you know, some random happening of some sorts, we would see Kentucky potentially in the playoffs as a number four seed or higher, which is truly remarkable. Truly, truly, truly remarkable. Uh, And I am not opposed to it. Uh, If we saw Kentucky in the playoffs, I think uh, a few betters certainly would be happy. A few long shot betters would uh, have their days made. The Kentucky fans would rejoice, although I don't really want to hear from them because they already get basketball, but they did suck last year, so... Sorry about it, Wildcats. But Levis and the boys, I'm rooting for them against the Dogs this week. You know we want to see the mighty we want to see the mighty teams go down. Uh, it's going to be exciting, and this team, watch out, watch out, country. The Dogs don't have it in the bag, but. Speaking of, not having it in the bag. Last week's biggest loser, 
Number eight, Alabama. Oh my gosh, Bama, what happened? What happened? We spoke a little bit about it just just before, just recently. This is maybe one of the biggest surprises of the season, considering how bad Zal Calzada in the AM offense looked previously. I like this team this is a team who scraped by Colorado, lost to Mississippi State, lost to Arkansas, and had no momentum going at all, giving out donuts at the ticket sales, you know, maybe trying to entice some more buyers, and they beat Alabama. I mean, and Saban, dare I say, was outcoached. He, last winding moments of the game, we saw Saban refuse to take his timeouts. He had two timeouts remaining on that last A&M drive. Not that it would have mattered, uh, maybe that the timeout, you know, maybe the timeouts wouldn't have been able to help much, but you're still going to take them. You don't just you know you have them at your disposal i don't understand the management there from Saban to just refuse to use them uh that really that was really odd to me then didn't ice the kicker you know a uh, big moment for him we everyone's by now seen the video of his family just freaking out watching him kick it so you could tell you know that's a high stakes kick right there that is a massive moment and you know he didn't want to take that he didn't want to ice him he didn't use his timeouts uh we saw just sloppiness really from bama uh near the end there we saw devin a chain we saw him return a kick to put a&m up uh 31 17 i believe in the fourth quarter and that is you know un alabama like to get kick returned on late in the game fourth quarter crucial time and you just gift them points pretty much um very surprising uh bama did only drop to five in the ap poll which is pretty lenient uh that is that's really a gimme there because it's alabama they left them up high because it's alabama which i you know i did some debating uh, with the rest of the committee, of course, and um, the conclusion was, it's you know it is still Alabama, and there is benefit of the doubt that's given to them. There's benefit of the doubt given to Ohio State. There's benefit of the doubt given to Clemson. There's benefit of the doubt given to Oklahoma. Uh, you know these big name teams, they get more of an opportunity than other teams. If Kentucky which is in the same position where we, let's just say, we're nine weeks into the season, and Kentucky's undefeated, 9-0, and number one. They lose a game. Uh, that team is going to drop much more than an Alabama team would ever drop. Even a, even maybe go back a few weeks ago, even a, at 3-1 and one, if Alabama were to drop, instead of a 5-1 and one with the loss, even if they dropped it at 3-1, and one, they would still have been a top 7-8 team. That's just how it goes, how you know how the rankings work. But I do think five's the top, you know, five's the front end of where they could have been ranked. I'm not mad about it because you know I still I know this Alabama team. It's 
their their season's not over uh, as much as I wish it were, as much as I wish this loss meant the Crimson Tide were done for the year uh, and we could just count them out. We cannot, sadly. Uh, so there, And there's plenty of ball left to play. This could easily still be the SEC champion. Um, they're not going to be having to play against Georgia, so that's good for them. Uh, but, you know, they're still having a matchup against LSU, Auburn, still got Arkansas, and it's going to be very interesting to see how they bounce back. Of course, being Alabama, I'm going to put more faith in the idea than not that they will bounce back. Uh, and they got Mississippi State coming up this week, who, sorry, Mississippi State, will probably absolutely get rolled because I think Saban is not he, I, I can't imagine he's too pleased with the loss um, so I, yeah I'd expect to see him roll this week and I've just made the number 7 I've just made Michigan uh, too big again my first two attempts on Michigan ever in the committee rankings neither have been great uh, I'm drawing them I'm drawing the logo too big. The bl- the blockiness of it is doing having some effect on me that I'm trying to draw too big. But I digress. Number seven coming in, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, Michigan just had an odd game against Nebraska where the first half it was sloppy execution in the end, but a... It was clear that Michigan was the better team. Then the time the second half comes around, uh, Michigan's defense goes non-existent in the third quarter and is struggling the whole second half. And Michigan ends up having to claw this game out of Lincoln. Uh, So not the finish that they were looking for and not the... Not really the win they would hope, though, of course, it uh, turns out Vegas had it spot on. Uh, Michigan was favored by three or two and a half. It fluctuated a little bit there. And just like Michigan State, they're going to have they have a tough stretch. They'll have to play Michigan State, have to play Penn State, have to play Ohio State. So by no means... Are the Wolverines sitting comfortable, just like the Spartans? And the Big Ten, uh, Big Ten East is going to be an exciting race for sure to end the season. Um, and Michigan has not won that division uh, since the Big Ten championship, get, t- championship game was reintroduced uh, in 2011, I believe it was. Michigan has yet to win that division. Uh, We know there was a few years, maybe, where Michigan, you could have seen, you would have liked to see more success. 2016, certainly. That team uh, could have been a playoff team, and they they weren't able to execute perfectly. They didn't even end up winning the Orange Bowl. Um, So what... I mean, it's, and you know, it's Harbaugh. Harbaugh's had a lot of time now. Uh, 
not to say, of course, this is our. I mean, this is better than any Michigan fans could have expected. Uh, you know, thus far this season, and same. You know, it's like same for Michigan State. These these fans, they did, they weren't expecting to already be or at all be ranked so highly. Um, but now that they're there, now that you, once you're in that position, then the, you know the expectations start to rise. You're expected to hold your position or to improve your position. So the Wolverines are going to have to do just that um, if they are looking to avoid more Jim Harbaugh slander. But uh, it is definitely possible for this team. This team is good defensively. Uh, despite the lapses last week, and it's a much better offense than we've seen recently from Michigan. Uh, they have a big play ability, and they have a fantastic ground game led by uh, Blake Corm and Hassan Haskins. It is, and though missing receivers, that doesn't really help uh, for the Wolverines. But still, regardless, it is a good Michigan team here, one of the best in a few years, and. This team is going to need to work on their finishing in the red zone, uh, not settling for field goals. That's uh, it's not going to work against Ohio State. It's not what they want. You got to get the ball in the end zone. You got to put up as much points as you can. Uh, though, you know, a tight game with Nebraska isn't the worst thing right here because they are indeed going on a tough stretch soon. So it's not the worst thing in the world to grind out a victory and, you know, sort of help to realize what your team is. So we just finished up the back page of the top 10 rankings um, with coming in at number six, the Penn State Nittany Lions, who just picked up a loss at Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City to the Hawkeyes. Uh Penn State looked pretty good in this game. They had the firm lead in this game until Sean Clifford went down. Uh, the backup QB, Roberson, once he came in, he put up 34 yards on 7 for 21 passing. So just to put into perspective there. Uh, Penn State, very, very well, could have been the winners of this game. Um, so... Because the fact that it ended up being a just an absolute collapse of performance by the backup quarterback, he was terrible. Uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Nittany Lions remain high in my rankings because of that. Because um, I don't think that's a fair judgment of their team, uh, what they showed with Roberson. Uh, I think they're much better with Clifford, as we've seen. Uh, they had the lead. They they beat Auburn earlier this year in the whiteout game, and it's a fan, it's it's a really good team here that they got uh, at Penn State. Now, the loss certainly coming with an injury because just because you know that you have the lead in that game, then you 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 lose your starting quarterback, you lose the game eventually. It definitely hurts Penn State because. As we've talked about with the rest of the Big Ten, the Big Ten East teams, they still have to play Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. So there is, by no means, any sort of breathing room for the Nittany Lions. Really, 
and they're gonna need to count on. They're gonna need Clifford to be uh, ready the whole time. They're gonna need Jahan Dotson to be ready to go and make some big plays because Roberson clearly can't really provide that for them, and they already have a conference loss now because of it. So. Penn State sort of on the ropes for the rest of the season in terms of Big Ten title contention. Uh, we got here coming in at number five, the Ohio State Buckeyes, who are playing much better recently since the loss to Oregon uh, a few weeks ago. And the Buckeyes, like we were just talking about with the Big Ten title situation, uh, luckily for them, their loss is a non-conference loss. So their their Big Ten title hopes are not affected by that loss to Oregon. And really, truly, um, that makes their playoff hopes less affected. Uh, if you really want to look into it like in that sense, which I believe is true because the loss to Oregon is, uh, you know, it's obviously a blemish. It's a... It is what the committee would consider a good loss, I, I, I guess. You know, good loss, quote, whatever. But they get to learn from it with little to no repercussions uh, because their games in the future don't matter. They can slip up. Well, okay, don't. Again, they don't matter. They do matter. But uh, for their playoff chances, uh, it's not going to end up making them miss out on the Big Ten title game if they win out. They control their own Big Ten destiny, whereas Penn State currently does not. Uh, as we have three undefeated teams remaining in the Big Ten East, of course we have talked about them pretty much all podcast long. Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State all undefeated in Big Ten play. Uh, it's going to be tough to see any of those teams making it out undefeated. Um, what I would consider now... The power rankings, as you've seen my rankings here, uh, as of right now, we've got Ohio State at number one, Penn State at number two, Michigan at number three, Michigan State at number four, but those are by no means locked in, um, and it's going to be very exciting to see these matchups continue down the line the rest of the season in the Big Ten East, and it's going to be a very fun race. Meanwhile, on the other side of the conference in the Big Ten West, uh, you see Iowa has got a little bit of breathing room. Um, it's not a guarantee that Iowa is going to be uh, headed to the Big Ten title game at this moment, but you've got to feel good being a Hawkeye fan, knowing that you've just won a game that you probably should not have won um, against a top-five team, boosting your team now to number two in the country, uh, which is obviously... Ask any Iowa fan. Uh, they did not think that they would be number two in the country uh, at the beginning of the season after six weeks. I don't think any Iowa fan ever would have believed that. Um, but there's still plenty of work to do, and the Hawkeyes have accomplished nothing yet. So, that being said, they got to play the rest of their Big Ten West schedule, which is obviously it's not too tough. Wisconsin is not looking like the same team thus far. Um, but if they can get through that, we could be seeing the Hawkeyes making their first playoff, yeah, getting the first playoff berth. Uh, I am just so thrilled for the Big Ten race. 
I am so thrilled now with the Bama loss. I'm thrilled for the SEC West race, although I'm, you know, I got pretty good money on that. That that's going to be leaning Alabama's way. Of course, you got Ole Miss with only one loss still, though, to Bama. So really, they have the one game lead on Ole Miss. They have a one game lead on Arkansas still to play them. A one game lead on Texas A&M, though. If Bama drops, Texas A&M will have a tiebreaker, assuming they could win out. Uh, but it will be fun to see. Auburn still only has one conference loss, so keep an eye on them. Uh, so what I've also seen circulating recently in the past week because of the dominance of the Big Ten East is are you taking Big Ten East or SEC West? Uh, and now, of course, coming into the season, uh, speaking of previous seasons, speaking of how it's been, it is obvious the SEC West is better. Um, now, this season, there is a very good argument so far, and the rankings show it. If you were to go just off rankings right now, the Big Ten East is clear, by far, clearly the best division in college football so far, um, which was not something people would have expected at the beginning of the season, that they would be so clear and by far the highest-rated division um, through six weeks, but the Big Ten East currently holds in the top 25 five of the top 10 spots, including number six, seven, or sorry, four. Big Ten East includes four of the top 10 spots. Big Ten includes five of the top 10, but the Big Ten East has six, seven, eight, and 10, which is pretty ludicrous for a division to have. Uh, outside the SEC West because on you know that's not it's not too abnormal for the SEC West you see it sometimes uh, though of course LSU isn't helping that case at the moment they haven't been very good thus far um, but yeah it's if you match them up you match up the top dogs in each you would have Bama against Ohio State a rematch of the Natty and based on what we saw last week from both teams uh, if they were to play if they were to have played last week, Ohio State would win that game. Then you've got Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State all down there. You've got that would lead a Penn State Ole Miss matchup, which uh, if that you know if that were to happen last week, if Clifford goes down, Ole Miss wins that game. Uh, now with Clifford active, that would I that would be a pretty good game to watch, a pretty fun one. You got Michigan and Arkansas. Uh, Arkansas and Ole Miss just competing in that absolute thriller in which Arkansas. Missed the go-ahead. Uh, Ole Miss' defense is really in shambles, though, by the way. Uh, compared to the rest of the committee's top 18, uh, and even further, uh, really the whole top, it's the whole top 25. Compared to the top 25 of the committee, Ole Miss by far allows the most points per game at 32.2, and if you look at teams surrounding them in the rankings... And we can use the AP poll for this. Uh, teams surrounding Ole Miss in the rankings, you got Kentucky, Oklahoma State above them, Notre Dame, Coastal Carolina behind them. Uh, Kentucky and Oklahoma State, Kentucky's given up 17 a game, Oklahoma State 18, Wake Forest 21, and Notre Dame 24. And Ole Miss is giving up 32 points a game. They have got to pick up the slack on the defense. Uh, fortunately, though, Ole Miss is scoring at a fantastic rate, scoring 46.2 points a game, which is has they have dropped off from the number one spot 
Uh, they're now fourth scoring in the country with 46-2. Uh, other notables up there, you have Coastal at 48-8, Ohio State at 48-5, Bama at 44-3, Oklahoma 41-2, Cincinnati 41. Uh, just some teams to list over 40 points per game. Speaking of a 40-point-per-game scoring team that we just talked about, coming in at number four, we have the Oklahoma Sooners. Wow, wow, wow was that game this week fantastic. I was there myself. Um, we saw Texas scored on the first play of the game a 75-yard screen to Xavier Worthy, who put ended up putting up 260 yards and two touchdowns, by the way. He was fantastic and really would have had perhaps 300 yards and three touchdowns if it weren't for a, th- a few overthrows from Casey Thompson. But the Longhorns led at the end of the first quarter, uh, 28-7 to over the Sooners, and it, it, it was looking bad. It was looking, it was looking pretty, pretty grim, of course. Uh, you're not going to expect to come back from a 21-point deficit. But thanks to the heroic efforts of Caleb Williams, Caleb Kelly, Kennedy Brooks, Marvin Mims, uh, the Sooners stormed back in that one in the Red River rivalry and took down Texas 55-48 in an instant classic of a game. Uh, if you fellows play NCAA college football, NCAA 14, uh, you know you will know if you got a pretty good game in there. It tells you what kind, what game rank you have. You know, classic game rank. That was a number one game rank for sure, uh, and just an unbelievable thriller. Um, which I'm sure has led many Texas fans to contemplating their fandom, thinking that they would just much rather be in Norman, but that's nor here or there. What we're really here to talk about, frankly, folks, is the quarterback battle. Spencer Rattler was taken out of the game first for what was a set play uh, as a Caleb Williams run, uh, which was Caleb Williams' first ever play in the Red Red River rivalry. He took it 60 yards to the house, showing off his athleticism. Uh, The fans got a bit of a rejuvenation, a bit of a boost there, and everyone was thrilled. Now, Spencer came back into the game after that. People were still, you know, people were upset. They wanted, uh, you know, to quote the... To quote the moron OU fans from the West Virginia game, we want Caleb. They chanted that a bit. And Spencer came back in and made a bonehead mistake. He was about to go down uh, near the 50-yard line and tried to flip it back to, I believe, Kennedy Brooks. Uh, And it was just a terrible pitch in a terrible situation. uh, Trying to make a hero play and get out of the sack. Ended up costing the Sooners a turnover. And after that is when Caleb Williams officially came into the game uh, and, so you know, remained in the game there. And what I saw after post, uh, Lincoln Riley was actually planning on uh, bringing Spencer back in. Uh, however, Caleb Williams came in and the Sooners' offense was too... They were just moving too much compared to what Spencer had shown. Uh, Williams was seemingly had much more control over the offense uh he was taking shots downfield he was opening up the offense with his legs uh which 
course, he showed with his 88 rushing yards for the game that he is a dual threat who is not to be ignored. Um, you can't overlook his running game, which is something that Spencer can't really bring himself. He's not really a, a, quite a dual threat like Caleb is. So that was opening, really opened up a new threshold that the offense could compete at for the Sooners. And despite settling for a few too many field goals, uh, which you'd like to see Riley maybe go for more of those, um, in the red zone, near the red zone, fourth and shorts, kicking field goals, uh, you know, honestly, I'm sitting there watching the game myself thinking, uh, you're not going to win this game that you're down 18 at halftime by, by settling for field goals on fourth and shorts inside the, you know, Texas 35, um, and they did. The Sooners survived. Ended up coming out of there thanks to the miraculousness of both the Caleb's. Uh, I know it was very big for Caleb Kelly to have that strip of Xavier Worthy on the kickoff return. And I didn't even. That was a, a fumble that I didn't even realize happened. Um, it was. I thought it was just some. Uh, just another tackle, you know, on a kickoff return. And then turns out. Uh, Caleb Kelly ripped the ball out of Worthy's hands and had it on under himself. Uh, so really a fantastic play there, and that's what put the Sooners in the lead. Uh, then Thompson drove down for the Longhorns and tied the ball game back up. But Williams and the Sooners' offense ended off the Longhorns on a Kennedy Brooks 33-yard rushing touchdown with three seconds remaining. What a fantastic game in Dallas, and I'm excited to see Williams going forward. Hopefully this week, primetime against TCU, hopefully Caleb Williams will be the Sooner starter. Um, What it seems to be is Lincoln is not actually sure yet of uh, the plans going forward, Um, which I know you've got to give... Spencer's been the guy, and you know you may feel for him a little bit. Uh, you may feel like it's his team, although you, despite Caleb's heroics, but really it's got to be the best guy going forward because um, no matter what Riley wants to think about the future of the team this season... Caleb Williams, if he doesn't come into that game, uh, not only does Texas end up winning that game, um, I don't even know that Oklahoma would have pressed a comeback uh, there. And, you know, maybe you say it's just a spark. Maybe, maybe not. What I've heard, though, this what I've based on what I've heard, based on what I've seen. This is the guy, Caleb Williams. He is a dog. He is a as much a team first player as ever uh, at the quarterback position. Uh, speaking, his high school coach spoke about um, his success in the game after, and he really just said he's not shocked at all. Uh, no moment is too big for Caleb Williams, and he knows. He knows how to function as a leader. He knows how to propel a team. Uh, Speaking even of 
he's he had a uh, championship game back in high school where his team was trailing by 16 points with only a few minutes left and then went back down with under 30 seconds and Williams was still able to pull off the to pull off the win and that's not something you see from you typically will see from uh young guys especially true freshmen thrown into the Red River rivalry down big points and he just t- he took the moment and made it his um which is it's not something that the Sooner fans are going to want to come down from uh I'm sure the second if that if that TCU game begins and Spencer Rattler trots out on the field for the first possession immediately immediately there will be chants throughout the stadium and there will be echoing chants for Caleb Williams uh make no mistake about it um so even that's that's another thing where Riley will have to he'll have to know that because Caleb Williams is going he's what everyone wants he is he just proved um though it was only one game he proved himself uh, about as much as he ever could and I think it has to you know you can't think you can't you can't be playing an emotional call here. You got to play the best player. You got to play the player who's most fit to win your games. And that, frankly, from what we've seen, uh, nothing has shown us more that that is Caleb Williams. Uh, so it's going to be a good one out there Saturday night for the Sooners to see. Um, and you know, Oklahoma controls their own destiny still undefeated. Another team controlling their own destiny though. Uh, may still have to fight the committee, uh, the CFP committee, is Cincinnati. So Cincinnati is 5-0. and uh, They've only played one conference game, so they're 1-0 in the conference. Um, but they have they have their two biggest games off the schedule, uh, the, well, pre, preseason biggest games, Indiana and Notre Dame. Uh, though Notre Dame is looking a little shaky, and Indiana is clearly not the team that they were last year. Uh, not quite the same, but regardless, Cincinnati is still. I think they're they've done enough in a spot now where uh, the fan, the national fans respect Cincinnati, the national media respects Cincinnati. Uh, so really, it's up to does the playoff respect Cincinnati as a playoff team? Uh, with all the parity we've seen so far, it would not shock me to see the Bearcats in the playoff. Uh, they certainly could. They do have a chance to win out. It is a potential uh, happening for them to go undefeated and potentially make the playoff. Uh, what they'd be fighting is Big Ten champ. Whoever wins that Big Ten, even one, a one-loss Big Ten champ is obviously in over Cincinnati. Uh, that is an obvious, obvious because of how good they've been. One-loss SEC champ, obvious. That's obvious. Uh, one-loss Oregon, uh not obvious uh there you know it, you could see a sense where Cincinnati would be chosen over them uh then you still got you know undefeated Wake Forest in the ACC not that they're going to finish undefeated they've got a very tough schedule remaining but there's lots of scenarios where you got to look and see how Cincinnati fares against them because it's really Cincinnati's kind of like clawing their way they have to claw their way in 
because of their conference. So they have to watch out for everyone around them. They don't just get to know that they control their own destiny. Uh, but the Bearcats are certainly a fantastic football team, averaging a point uh, margin of victory of over 28 points, uh, averaging 41 points per game, giving up only 12.2. And their 28.8 points per game dif- win differential is uh, top five in the country. They have dominated so far uh, for the most part. They just thwomped Temple. And now they're playing against UCF, who will be one of their toughest remaining games, though UCF hasn't really looked very good this season. Um, But they've got UCF. They've got a now-ranked SMU who's got Tanner Mordecai slanging the ball all around. Uh, But the Bearcats are certainly a team I can see going undefeated, and I'm very excited to see uh, when the first playoff ranking comes out what the committee does with them. Coming in number two, we got 6-0 Iowa, who we've already talked quite a bit about. Uh, they took down Penn State, perhaps thanks to a Sean Clifford injury. Uh, though the Hawkeyes have they have four Power Five wins, and all four of those Power Five wins are 500 Power Five wins. They have the most. That is the most 500 Power Five wins in the country, uh, based on my data. Oklahoma has three, Kentucky has three, and Iowa has four, um, and two ranked wins as well. Uh, I mean, there's not too much to say else about the Hawkeyes that we haven't already picked up on. Uh, they don't have too tough a road to the Big Ten title game, and if they can make the big, if they can reach the Big Ten title game at this point with the win over Penn State, if Penn State can get Clifford back and look strong, they don't even have to be the ones who win the East. Uh, if Penn State goes ten and two, and they don't, you know, maybe Ohio State gets it. If Iowa, as a one-loss team, wins that Big Ten title, they are in the playoff, no doubt about it. So. It's um, it's going to have to be warming up for that Big Ten title game. As we saw in 2015, it wasn't enough for them to go undefeated in the regular season and then end up losing to Michigan State in the Big Ten title game. They're going to need to win that Big Ten title game. 12-1 and with a title game win, they are in. 12-1 and with a title game loss, I doubt that they are in. Uh, a 12-1 and team with a title game loss making the playoff is really solely reserved for the SEC, or maybe, in this case, this season, the Big Ten East, depending on how good they continue to play. Speaking of the SEC, we get to our number one team, who I gave a split number one last week, but we're still going to say they moved up. They are the sole number one team in the country, the Georgia Bulldogs, uh, who took down Auburn pretty handily last week, 34-10, to with Stetson Bennett at quarterback, JT Daniels, uh, has been battling injuries. This team has five Power Five wins, most in the country. Um, they have the they're a top three point spread in the country in terms of point differential. Number one in points against per game, giving up five point five points a game. Uh, through six games, through six games, four conference games, four SEC games, five Power Five wins. They've played five Power Five teams. They are giving up 5.5 points per game. That is incredible. Uh, This dog's defense is fantastic. Uh, Comparable numbers. Cincinnati's giving up 12.2, though only having two Power 5 wins. Iowa giving up 13 with four Power 5 wins, so very impressive themselves. 
And Penn State giving up 13.8 with three Power 5 wins, of course, could have won that Iowa game. As we've talked about, Michigan giving up 15.5 to round out uh, some of those other low numbers. And, by the way, Coastal Carolina, uh, who sits at number 16 in my rankings this week, um, due to they only have one Power 5 win, which was Kansas, uh, they boast a top points per game and points against per game teams in the country giving up only 13.6 points a game and scoring 48.8 that's good 48.8 is good for the number two spot in the points per game categories right now just behind Pitt who with Kenny Pickett by the way are looking fantastic on offense Um, and then giving up 13.6 points a game leaves them at only fifth uh, in points against thus far this season so keep an eye on Coastal Carolina uh though I don't expect them to make any playoff buzz, even concerning undefeated season. They do not have the schedule it takes, uh, unlike the Bearcats. So that rounds out the top 10 with Georgia at number one. So let's just reiterate. we got number one, Georgia, number two, Iowa, number three, Cincinnati, number four, Oklahoma, number five, Ohio State, number six, Penn State, number seven, Michigan, number eight, Alabama, number 9, Kentucky, and number 10, Michigan State. Uh, Others receiving votes. Um, Normally, I don't order it when I post on the committee Snapchat. You guys know that, but because we are doing a live podcast here, I'm going to tell you the others receiving votes in order. Number 11, we have Oregon. As we talked about, the Ducks still control their own destiny in the Pac-12. And... Maybe could get in with one loss as a playoff team. We'll have to see how that plays out. Not, I don't know how much trust they have in, especially now that they've lost C.J. Verdell for the season. At number 12, we got 5-0 and Oklahoma State, who had a bye last week but plays Texas this week. That's going to be monumental for the Big 12 title race. Uh, one loss in the conference for Texas so far. Oklahoma State, as of course, as we said, undefeated. Uh, so a win from Oklahoma State here, pushing Texas to two losses would be massive for them, especially considering the struggles of Iowa State we have already seen. Um, But another team to keep an eye on there is Baylor, who plays BYU this week, but Oklahoma State has the win two weeks ago against Baylor. Coming in at number 13, we got 4-1 Ole Miss, who we've already talked a lot about. Fantastic offense, but a pitiful defense. Um, They are really going to be getting into many shootouts here, so it's going to be exciting to see. It's a good team, not a complete team. Uh, pretty similar to Oklahoma teams of past. Uh, but, you know, every time Ole Miss plays, I want to watch. Coming at number 14, we got 6-0 and thus far, Wake Forest. As we talked about, Wake Forest still has a bit of a gauntlet to go. Uh, coming up this week, um, now that, what, what they've got on their schedule, they got Army, who, you know, you can never overlook Army. They're always a, a tricky one. NC State, North Carolina, Clemson, and Boston College. Um, regardless of North Carolina and Clemson's struggles that you want to point out, uh, they are still going to be tough games regardless. But I am definite, I'm definitely here for an undefeated Wake Forest. That's all I have to say. Coming in at number 15, we've got Notre Dame 5-1. and one. Picked up a loss to Cincy a few weeks ago and still boasts a pretty tough schedule. Um, playoff scenario, really, you can't see that for the Irish here. They're only averaging a, mar- a margin of victory of 6.7, uh, which is comparable to Oklahoma State, who has a 6.8. So both of them I'd like to see more from. 
but Notre Dame won't really be able to find their way in here to the playoff. They got a pretty tough remaining schedule at 11 and 1. They could definitely they would be going to a New Year's Six game. Uh and still a pretty good team. Uh with a bye week this week coming in number 16, we talked a little bit about them already. Coastal Carolina bye week this week 6 and 0. Oh. Um again, I can't see them getting the playoff with the lack of schedule that they face, but they have impressed. Uh, regardless of who they've played, they have impressed. Coming at number 17, just picked up their first loss to Boise, 5-1 and one BYU, who's followed by number 18, Arizona State, 5-1, and one, who they beat. Um, BYU is a pretty intriguing team because they picked up three Power 5 wins against the Pac-12 to start 3-0, and oh, and they had the most Power 5 wins in the country because, you know, the most Power 5 games played in the country. Uh, but... Regardless, they're only averaging a margin of victory of 6.7 as well, just like Notre Dame. Um, but they're playing at Baylor this week. So that is going to be a pretty interesting one. you got 5-1 and one Baylor, who lost, to, of course, to Oklahoma State, as we said. Uh, this could see BYU um, looking to cement themselves maybe in the New Year's Six talks. Or it could see Baylor uh, jumping up the rankings, and that would that would potentially make Baylor a top near top 15 team maybe they'd be floating around that number 15 there and BYU followed by Arizona State who is still undefeated in the conference and could control their own destiny and take down Oregon uh playoffs course in the Pac-12 not so certain about the chances that you have there but a fun team to watch regardless so thank you guys so much for listening uh super exciting season so far so much more excitement left to go and i can't wait to be be with you guys there hopefully we will have in paper predictions this week Uh, i've been pretty busy recently uh, when i've been trying to get those out and i will try to get those earlier this week so i can post them and they will be ready Uh, of course rankings going to come out next tuesday and hopefully we will have another review and live ranking show next week as well thank you guys so much for listening and i will see you next time